Bible then and turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter one, beginning at verse one. Now there was a certain man of Ramathim Zotham, of Mount Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, the son of Jerome, the son of Elihu, the son of Tahu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. He had two wives, the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up out of his city yearly to worship, uh, to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portion. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the, door, of the, temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look in the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way, and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early, and worshipped before the Lord, and returned, and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow, but Hannah went up, not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. 
So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she had weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and three, with three bullocks and one ephah of a flower and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. I titled this message this morning, Hannah, A Heartbeat for Motherhood. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. And Father, we do thank you for the godly examples that you give us in the scriptures, of those who have gone before us, have struggled, have fought the battles, and won the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray as we look at this passage of scripture, and particularly as we think about mothers today, and we pray that you would speak to our hearts, we pray that you be glorified, speak especially to the mothers and those who are contemplating motherhood, I pray that you would, your word would just encourage and challenge and bring conviction, and you may be glorified. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, you know, the, the things that are written in the Old Testament, you know, Corinthians tells us those things that were written before are written for our admonition and for our learning, upon whom the end of the world have come. And we have a good example, I believe, here, of a godly mother in the life of Hannah. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect mother, just as there's no, no such thing as a perfect father. There's no such thing as a perfect family. And Hannah, though she was not perfect, and, but yet she, she found help from the Lord, and she was faithful to the Lord, and raised a son that served the Lord. All his days. So I want to look at three things, and then I have quite a few sub points as well. Uh, so think about Hannah this morning. First of all, I want us to notice Hannah's reproach. In verse, uh, verse uh, 2, and then also in verse 5, it says, And he had two wives. Of course, this was part of the curse of the time of apostasy. You know, polygamy was, was a common practice in those days. This is Remember, this is the days of the judges. We're... we're, we're you know, this is the time of the judges. Uh, Samuel was really the last judge. And so this is the time of the judges. Uh, it was a day of great apostasy. The description the Bible gives of those days was every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Nevertheless, even during those times, there were men and women who lived to please the Lord, who were faithful. But this was a common practice, and it was a curse to the families that practiced it, as we're going to see. Um, he had two wives, you know, and we don't practice that. You know, who would want two mother-in-laws? But, but uh, uh, you know, this was common back then. But anyway, he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, name the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had no ch- had children, but Hannah had no children. And again, in verse five says, "But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. You know, she was barren. She was unfruitful. She had no children." You know, this was a great heaviness and a grief to her. It was a continual reproach to her or an affliction. 
You notice verses 6 and 7 says, And her, her adversary provoked her sore to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, that is, that is, Elkanah gave her worthy portions year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord. So she, that is Peninnah, provoked her, therefore she wept. So every year they go back up to the house of the Lord to offer sacrifice and offerings, and, and Elkanah would give her a worthy portion. He loved Hannah. She was special to him. And he saw that she was taken care of and that her needs were met, and, 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 you know, and he was really considerate of her. But her adversary, the other wife, would provoke her sore. She would cause her to grieve or to be vexed. That's what the word provoke and, and, and the idea of sore here is. This other sore can become irritable or angry even. So this was, a, this was a continual affliction or a reproach to her. You know, in Bible times, in Bible times, and really until the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s, and the me generation, it was considered a curse, or at least something not to be wished for by anyone, not to have children. People married to multiply. They married to multiply. Uh, Christians desired children to train for the glory of God. And as many as God would give. Children were considered an heritage of the Lord, a restorer of one's life, a, a purpose for women. You know, and God doesn't give every, every family and every, every woman children. Some, you know, Sarah was barren. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth were barren, and then the Lord finally gave them John the Baptist. Uh, God only gave two to Isaac and Rebecca. You know, some don't have, but, but it was... It was it was the, the, the usual thing was that to, to have children to multiply. Uh, in Genesis 1, in fact, go over there. Genesis 1, and a, a, a funny thought just struck me the other day as I was reading this, but, and, I'll, and I'll explain to her in a minute. But in Genesis 1, verse 20, you know, in creation, God's creating everything. And in Genesis 1, 20, he says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. And fowl that may fly above the earth and open in the open firmament of heaven. God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and every living and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image God created him, male and female. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God, you know, he creates everything, and all the creatures, the fish, the fowl, and the creatures of the earth, from, the, from, the, from cattle to the littlest of creatures, and he, and he tells them to multiply. And then he creates man and tells him to multiply and replenish the earth. But, you know, the worldly environmentalists want everything to multiply. But us. You ever think about that? 
You know, they're worried about these little creatures. I remember, I remember there was a guy up in PA, when I still live in PA, that wanted to build a building in a wet area. And they called it, uh, there's a name for it, I can't remember now. But anyway, they said that he couldn't do it because there's little creatures in there that he'll disturb. You see, they want everything to multiply but us. You know, God says we're, we're to multiply and replace the earth. By the way, we're not running out of space. That's not a problem. Uh, that's not a problem. It's, it, the fact is, people worship the creatures more than the creator. We're made in his image, and I guess they don't like us to be reminded that we are made in his image. You know, this command was reiterated to, to, to Noah in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And so it was a reproach for Hannah to be barren. To be barren. Of course, today it's considered strange to desire to be married and have children. But the Bible still says in 1 Timothy 5, 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, and give none occasion to speak to the adversary to speak reproachfully. In Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, uh, speaking of the aged women, he's telling the aged women that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And so I would submit to you that being a wife and a mother is a high and holy calling for any woman. It's a high and holy calling. But here is Hannah, and she's, she's barren. So we see Hannah's reproach. So I want to notice, secondly, Hannah's refuge. Hannah's refuge. In verses 10 and 11, she had, her refuge was a personal relationship with her God. Verses 10 and 11 says, She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. You see, she had a personal relationship with the Lord. She addressed her need to the Lord of hosts. Now, the word Lord here is all caps. It's that's, that's the name or the title Jehovah, Jehovah God, the I Am, the self-existent one. And, and so she addressed him as Jehovah, and, the, and then she says, the Lord of hosts. He's the God of hosts or the God of the armies of heaven. See, she knew him, and she understood that, that salvation and her help was in him alone. That he alone could intervene for her. For he is the giver of life. He is the living God. He's the living God. And only he can give life. She understood Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved. For I am God and there is none else. There's none else. And so her refuge was she had a personal relationship with the Lord. She knew him. And she depended upon him for her life's needs. If you notice, she says in verse 11, 
O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on mine affliction. And remember thine handmaid, thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. You know, she had a problem that she could not solve, that she did not have a solution for. But she believed God did. She said, if thou wilt. Lord, if it's your will, you can take care of this situation. You know, when we have problems that we seem without solutions and without answers, we need to go to God. And we need to go through God's method of help. You know, Isaiah chapter 30, in Isaiah chapter 30, you know, Israel is in a time of apostasy, but they're also in dire straits. The Babylonians and the Syrians and Babylonians are knocking at the door, and they're, they're, they're in fear uh, of the enemy. And, and, uh, uh, and, and really, the, the context here is that the, the, because of this, Israel makes a league with Egypt to help protect them from Sennacherib, king of Assyria. In Isaiah 30, the, the prophet says to them, in verse 1, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may have sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. So Israel needed help. They knew they needed help. But they sought for it in the wrong place. They sought for it in a place that could not assure them of that help. Yeah, they would not turn back to God. He said, they asked counsel, but not of me. You know, they knew, they knew they needed some help. They knew they needed some instruction. You know, this is the same thing Jeremiah ran into. You know, the, the king would come to him and say, is there a word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, yeah, there is. Break off your sins. Let your servants go free. That you're holding in slavery for over seven years. You know, children of Israel were not to keep in bondage to any brethren for over seven years. You know, do this, this, and this. And they let them go, and then they took them back. So they would not turn back to God. They would not listen to his prophet, to the man of God. You know, I found that people don't come to God's man or his church because they really don't want to solve the problem. Because it may mean they would have to get right with God. Or it might cost them. No, she fasted. She was willing to give her son to God, and she was willing to give her son to God as an unusual and marked man. Verse 11, again, notice the end of that verse says, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. You know, that no razor idea is part of the Nazarite vow of the Old Testament scriptures. Samson was a Nazarite from his birth. 
He was never to cut his hair. He was never to touch any wine or drink anything of the, of the vine, not even grape juice. He was to be separated from the Lord all the days of his life. And that's what he said, I'm going I'm I'm to raise my son like this, to be separated from the Lord all the days of his life. He'd be different than everyone else. Everyone would know when they look at him, he's different than everyone else because he'd never cut his hair. He's a marked man. He would, look, he would look different from all the other boys. By the way, he dressed different too. Verse 18 tells us that he, in, in chapter 2, that he wore a linen ephod. Now, he was taken to the tabernacle, and you might say, what a better place to grow up than at the tabernacle. Really? Remember who's there. Hophni and Phinehas, sons of Belial. But she left them, left him there. Notice in verse 22, it says, But Hannah went up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. Verse 24, or verse, uh, for take time, let's go to verse 27. For this child I pray, the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And again in chapter 2, verse 11, And Elkanah went to, to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. And so uh, he stayed. You know, he, she left him. She depended upon the Lord. And this was part of her dependence upon the Lord. She was willing to leave him at the tabernacle with Eli and Hophni and Phinehas. Now, the question is, that often comes up, how old was Samuel then? Well, the word child and the word young, the word, the word uh, uh, child is used in verse 27, and, and uh, the word young is, is used there also. Um, in verse, verse 24, the word, the word young is used, and it basically means the same thing. It could revert for refer to a child from infant or to a young man. He could be 1 to 20. That helps a lot, doesn't it? I know. Uh, the word weaned, it, it was after he had weaned, she had weaned him. The word weaned, in the outline of biblical use means this, to deal fully with, to recompense, to deal out to, to deal bountifully with, or to wean a child, to be weaned, or to mean to, to ripen. Now, according to the World Health Organization, the average weaning age in our world today is 4.2 years. Now, that sounds like old to us in this industrialized nation, of course. But in Maccabees, there's a reference made to a woman uh, casually mentions her giving milk to her son for three years. Um, one commentator also gave another thought to this. And, and the outline of biblical usage could, could, could make reference to that, possibly. It means to deal fully with, could refer to that. But he said this, quote, A child was considered weaned when he not only stopped drinking his mother's milk, but after his mother taught him the milk of the word. The mother would spend much time teaching her child the basics about God. Isn't that beautiful? She would feed her child both physical food and spiritual food. Weaning from the breast milk varied. 
weaning from the milk of the word lasted until five or six years old. Scientists have discovered the incredible development of a child in ages two to five. It is very important child time in a child's life. No wonder they put forth the effort to instill the basic understanding of God in their children. Yeah, unquote. And then the Isaiah 28, 9 says this, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. So the time to teach your children Bible truth is when they're being nursed and weaned. But you know, whatever his age, we don't know this. He was very young. Six, maybe. Maybe five. Now let me ask you something, mothers. Could you imagine leaving your five or six-year-old son at the tabernacle? They didn't have cars, no telephones, no email, no way of contact. I don't, they didn't even have Pony Express. I'm sure there were letters, but it took time. But to leave him there and only see him once a year. You know, all you mothers say, there's no way. There's no way. Not my child. And remember who's there. This is Eli. He's half blind. And then his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who lay with the wicked women at the door of the tabernacle. What I'm getting at here is this mother, Hannah, had great faith in a great God. You know, think of the discipline and direction she and Elkanah must have instilled in him. You know, she would, and again, understand. Now, th th I don't believe this is just her doings. Put yourself, take yourself back to that culture. Men ruled their homes back then. <laughs> We're not living in the 20th, they weren't living in the 21st century. No, she would not have done this without Elkanah's support and 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 uh, uh, sanction, you know. And, and after all, he loved her. But the discipline and the direction that they must have put instilled in this young young boy, and this is still a great act of faith in her, in a great God, the Lord of Hosts. You see, she trusted God's will for her life and his life without question, without complaint. She gave her best, her firstborn though it had to be difficult emotionally. In fact, the Bible tells us she rejoiced in it. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as, that, as the Lord. There is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceedingly proud. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. 
the bows of the bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded their strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry cease. So the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the beggar from the dunghill to set them among the princes and to make them inherit the throne of, the, of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces, out of heaven shall he thunder upon them, and the Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now, you know, I just, I just kind of think that Hannah instilled in little Samuel all the things she prayed right there. It's God that can exalt my horn. You know, when he talks about exalting her horn, she's talking about her strength. God exalted her strength. Give her strength. You see, she rejoiced in the fact that in, in God's will for his life. You know, mom and dads, if you complain about how difficult it is to obey the Lord and the sacrifices you make, your children may grow up resentful and resist the will of God for their lives. I know children are a lot of work. Homeschooling is work. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Is there any reward without labor? You know, Proverbs 14.23 says, In all labor there is profit. But it is labor that is pleasing the Lord that he has privileged us with, and we must not begrudge it. You know, sometimes we may look at things, uh, Bible commands, and we may look at them like they're hard. You know, just like Samuel, he looked different than everyone else. He was a marked man, a marked child. You know, dress standards make us look different than everyone else. The way we approach marriage makes us different than everyone else. But it's pleasing to the Lord. And it has its reward. And we ought not begrudge those things or what the Lord gives us or be embarrassed about it. Remember, children are an heritage of the Lord. In the book, The Royal Path of Life, on page 39, it says this, quote, It is not merely by speaking to children about spiritual things that win them over. If that is all you do, it will accomplish nothing, less than nothing. It is the sentiments which they hear at home. It is the maxims which rule your daily conduct, the likings and dislikings which you express, the whole regulations of the household in dress and food and furniture, the recreations you indulge, the company you keep, the style of your reading, the whole complexion of daily life, this creates the element in which your children are either growing in grace and preparing for eternity of glory, or they are learning to live without God and die without hope. Unquote. It's the sentiments they hear. 
maxims that rule your daily conduct, your likings and dislikings. Do you express disliking for the things of God? Your children will probably dislike them. No, we need to trust him with our lives, even if it seems difficult, even if it seems unfair. By the way, life is not fair. Welcome to real life. And teach and train and practice with a joyful attitude our walk and service for the Lord. Now, I'm not saying every day we're just bubbly and all that, you know. But we need to be real. We need, to, we need to show to our children that serving the Lord is good. It is the best. It is rewarding. Even though it is difficult at times. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, all, that ye always having all sufficient in all things may abound to every good work. See, God, or Hannah, found God's grace sufficient for her. So we see Hannah's reproach, her refuge. And I want you to notice thirdly, Hannah's rewards. Hannah's rewards. Go back to chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. It says, And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way, and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So she's, she does not eat. She, she will not eat. She's, she's burdened. She's uh, 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 been provoked sore with this reproach she has. And so she goes to the Lord. She pours out in, in bitterness of her soul and prays and weeps before the Lord. And, and casts her burden on him. And then she goes and eats, offers her offering, like she never had a burden before. She, she put her burden upon the Lord and put her confidence in the Lord of hosts to meet her need. You know, it takes faith. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. In uh, Psalm 37, Psalm 37, and, and verses 4 through 7, Psalm 37, 4 through 7, the psalmist said this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as a light, and thy judgment as a noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. You know, that's what Hannah did. She rested in the Lord, and waited patiently for him. She rested in the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Oh, she, she put her rest 
in the Lord. She was able to rest in the Lord. Second thing we see here is the Lord multiplied her fruit. Look at chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. Chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. And Eli blessed Elkanah, his wife, and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Now, some say there's a discrepancy here. Because in her prayer, uh, in verse 5 it says, They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased. So that the barren hath borne seven. And she that hath many children is waxed feeble. Of course, the barren refer to Hannah, and it says she'd born seven. The 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 uh, one and a half many is wax feeble. Of course, we refer to Peninnah. But it's 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 the 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 explanation that I got from this was seven means complete. Of course, God gave her. God gave her a full quiver, if you will. She had six. She had six. She had three sons and two daughters besides Ham, Ham, or Hamuel. Samuel. Uh, so, so the Lord multiplied her fruit. You know, God will be, no, will be debtor to no man. He multiplied her fruit fivefold. That's the grace of God. You know, if we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. If you only give half yourself, you can only expect half. Hannah gave all she had. She had no guarantee there'd be more than Samuel. But yet she gave him. She gave him up for the Lord. You know, Matthew 20, 19, 29 says this. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Of course, Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, it, the principle is, if I obey the Lord, if I will give to him, he will not be a debtor. He will give back to me. He will give back to me. He will provide my needs. And the third thing we see here is she was exalted in the Lord. Again, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. By her sacrifice, by giving herself the Lord joyfully and her husband and her children, Hannah has power with God. The word horn there is exalted, speaks of increase in strength or increase of faith that she is magnified. She has been magnified in the sight of the Lord by her sacrifice she gave to the Lord. She's been magnified. 
You know, she is known now as a mother of one of the great men of God in the Old Testament that changed the course of history for the nation of Israel. Who was it? Who was it that got Israel together and, and, and overthrew the Philistines after those two wicked priests, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed in battle? And Eli fell over backwards and broke his neck when he heard the news. It was Samuel. It was Samuel that got the nation together, got them right with God. And led them to defeat the Philistines. It was Samuel. He changed the course of history. For the nation of Israel. But how did it all begin? Well chapter 2 verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child. Where do you start? Where do you begin to be a great man? You start as a child. Girded with Elena and Ephah. Verse 21 says, And the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived. I'm, so, I'm sorry, um, wrong verse there. But uh, uh, Yes, it is the right verse. The last half of that verse says, And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Verse 26, And the child Samuel grew on, and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, And the child ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Then in verse 10 it says, And the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak for thy servant heareth. Samuel hears the voice of God. Verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And in chapter 7 and verse 9, chapter 7 verse 9, it says, And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And I want you to notice this phrase, and the Lord heard. The Lord heard him. You see, Samuel is now standing before God, interceding for Israel, and the Bible says that the Lord heard him. Yet God doesn't just hear anybody. You know, in Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, the children of Israel, of course, have rebelled against God. They worship many false gods. They sacrifice their children on the altar of expedient. Expediency, just like many people do today. They persecuted and killed the prophets of God. And God said, it's 70 years captivity. Nothing and no one can change my mind. Not even those who have changed it in the past. And Jeremiah 15.1, the prophet says this, Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, Yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And, and what that verse is really saying, if Moses and Samuel pleading this case cannot change my mind, it cannot be changed by anyone. I'm telling you, 
Hannah raised one of the greatest men of the Old Testament scriptures. And can't you hear Hannah say, That's my son. I'm so glad I gave him up. Without reservation to the Lord, for he has given back to me a hundredfold. You know, Hannah trained her son to serve the Lord with the joyful sacrifice of herself. Somebody has said a mother loses her life in her children, and then it returns to her again. How true the proverb of the virtuous woman, her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. You see, Hannah was greatly rewarded for her sacrifice. She gave of herself at great cost. But she was rewarded multiple times over by the Lord of hosts. Might God help us to give ourselves to the Lord that we might see him reward us over and over again. How is it with you this morning? Are you reserving or holding out against the Lord or have you given yourself over and your children over to the Lord? Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this great testimony of this godly woman who lived before as an example to us of giving of herself. Father, I pray that you help us to give ourselves unreservedly to you, to be that living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We do pray that you have your will and your way in this invitation time this morning. And may you be glorified. We do pray. Let's just stand to our feet with our heads bowed.